The Women's Health Project is produced on Gadigal land as well as other parts of Australia. In the spirit of reconciliation, Women's Agenda acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and future and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Health can look very different for different people. What is definitely absent in every definition and academic discussion around health is that it is nothing to do with aesthetics. It is nothing to do with pressure to adhere to a certain routine in an unforgivable fashion. It is not healthism, a moral obligation or a moral failing if you fail to attain health. How fit is enough for women? How much exercise is enough? How do we get the balance right? That will depend on who you talk to, or rather who is talking to you at any point of the day, whether it's on TV, in the media, 24-7 on social media, or via the influencers and influencers and celebrities sharing what's become an ideal version of arms, legs, abs and butts. Every day we're exposed to a different version of what it means to be fit as a woman. And to some extent, it can be inspiring and motivating, but to another extent, it can actually be harmful and even toxic. My name is Angela Priestley and this is the Women's Health Project, a special podcast series created by Women's Agenda and supported by Organon, the recently launched pharmaceutical company dedicated to a better and healthier every day for every woman. On today's episode, we're going to discuss how women's health became synonymous with fitness and dieting and ultimately how healthy one appears on the outside. And I do use speech marks around that word healthy. Thank you for listening. Back in episode two, we spoke about the loads that women carry. We spoke about the load of caring, the load of unpaid work, the load of paid work, the load of domestic work, the load of sexism, of past trauma, the load of expectations. They're all loads that ultimately pull on women's time and energy and can overall, and particularly over the course of a lifetime, lead to distress that impacts physical and mental health. So today's episode is all about trying to focus on one of those loads and one that is often forgotten about and carries a few complexities. It is a load that is actually important for women to carry in certain ways, but it can often be dropped altogether due to the weight of the other loads. And on the other hand, it can also get so heavy itself that it can lead to negative outcomes. That is a load of fitness and exercise. We know that staying active is linked to great, healthy outcomes for women. And in 2021, we've never had so many options for exercise. Even during lockdowns with gyms closed, you're only one click away from a 20-minute HIIT workout, a 15-minute abs explosion, or a 60-minute all-over body transformation workout. Fitfluencers have the answers, we're told. No matter what time of day, we pick up our phones to scan social media. They have the workouts and the bodies to show the outcomes that can be achieved if you can just follow their lead. The problem, of course, is that we don't all respond to exercise in the same way, nor do we share the same abilities for recreating the movements being asked of us, and we don't all have the time. The impossibility and the complexity behind the messaging put out around the perfect way to exercise, what it means to be fit as a woman, can lead some to simply tune out altogether. If you can't reach that extreme version, why bother? And worse, it can and does lead many of us to simply feel worse about ourselves, ultimately impacting mental health. Facebook has done um, proactive investigations. They have things called proactive incident responses. So these are things where they hear a rumor and they go check for it. 
they know that you can follow very neutral interests like um, healthy eating and just by clicking on the content provided be led to anorexia content. Like that's, that's what the algorithms do. They lead to amplification. They know that children sometimes self-soothe that as they get more depressed, as they get more anxious, they consume more and more and more content. And when the content itself is the driving factor on the problem, that leads to tragedy. And Facebook is aware of all those things. And what's super tragic is Facebook's own research says, as these young women begin to consume this eating disorder content, they get more and more depressed, and it actually makes them use the app more. And so they end up in this feedback cycle where they hate their bodies more and more. Facebook's own research says, it is not just that Instagram is dangerous for teenagers, that it harms teenagers. It's that it is distinctly worse than other forms of social media. That there is Frances Haugen, a former product manager at Facebook turned whistleblower, who told a US congressional hearing earlier this year about Facebook's own research into the impact of Instagram on teenage girls, with 32% saying it made them feel worse. The problem, as we came to learn, was that Facebook didn't release that research to the public. They kept that internal. Now, this research obviously points to a huge problem that is capturing government attention internationally. It does start early for girls and teenage girls and young women, but it does continue well into adulthood. There is no specific age that women and girls tune out of the messaging that's telling them what it means to be and look fit and healthy. The workouts, the fitspiration, the push to transform and tap into even just a piece of it and the Facebook algorithms will work their magic to make sure that you receive more and more of that content. Fitspiration is hardly a social media alone phenomenon. We've been bombarded with the airbrushed images of women and their so-called ideal slender bodies for decades. Over time, this ideal has shifted from impossibly thin to slender athletic, all the while we continue to see the headlines and the advice about how to work out to look like the cover images presented. Um, the language has tweaked ever so slightly over the past few years as magazine editors have been responding to ethical concerns and public pressures, but the stories are still there. And over the years, we've had plenty of fitfluences. The arrival of Instagram has stepped things up significantly. It's removed the barriers to entry and ability to start building an audience from day one. It's removed the elements of control and limits that a magazine editor or a professional trainer may have over how extreme the content can be. It's brought simple and immediate filtering and editing capabilities. It continuously innovates, offering even more powerful algorithms that will catch on to what you are scrolling through and immediately start sending you more and more content so as to keep you scrolling. Madeline Altos is a clinical psychologist. She says that with her background, she can see that social media can have a major influence on mental health, particularly on body image. It can happen at all ages, but she shares some particular concern for girls and young women. I suppose with the role of social media being at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and, and what have you, is that what we're seeing is young people, um, and they don't have to be young, but my field works with young people, is that they will be more saturated with comparison. And so we find that that becomes then a very rigid place for people to be in terms of comparing themselves to other body characteristics, whether they are have to remain as the thin ideal or not, or whether they are more focused around other body types or, you know, fitness or other kind of rigidly held physical kind of attributes. is just that that level of exposure is just really drastically kicked up a notch where it hasn't always been before. I've certainly noticed 
Fitfluence has been kind of both celebrated and not in my field. And I think that in one sense, the celebration in a way quite rightly comes from a move away from kind of more unhealthy mechanisms for kind of attaining a a thin ideal or an ideal body type or an attribute. But I think one thing where we need to be really careful and maintain kind of a, a really critical stance is anything that becomes an absolute or anything that becomes a kind of really binary way of looking at something. So for example, when I work with adolescents, we know that adolescence is already a really tricky time for identity building and and we know that this kind of now goes into our early you know into our 20s as well but it can be a really tricky mechanism to have happening through social media where we're seeing anything basically anything that is an absolute and that can just kind of wrap up I suppose very extreme ideas about one's body and what attributes it should have or what functions it should be serving wrapped up in a kind of highly curated and glamorized kind of way. One thing in terms of working with with younger people and particularly younger women is that the social pressures and the the sort of threats to identity development uh, are age old. These things aren't new, the things that are kind of coming through. But one thing that is, I suppose, more troubling about the social media kind of factor that's going on now, which hasn't existed before, is how little we know about what's actually going on in terms of the most recent exposure of, you know, Facebook and Instagram not necessarily sharing their algorithm data, not necessarily sharing the research processes they're putting in. Dr Nikki Stamp is a heart surgeon and social media user who shares excellent information across her own social media. She's also someone who's had her own challenges with what it means to be and feel healthy. She told Women's Agenda about how, having experienced a life of exercise and staying active in her second year of medical school, she started working with a personal trainer and towards bodybuilding competitions. She shared how the constant focus on what her body looked like and the preoccupation with food and exercise became a massive problem. She started to hate exercise, seeing it only as a torturous routine for burning off a meal or for looking good. It took her well into her 30s before she could repair her relationship with food and exercise. The problem is, though, that this is very often how health is sold to us. It is sold in the form of Instagram influencers, some of who have millions and millions of followers and millions and millions of dollars to match who have built empires based off what their body or others' bodies look like. At the moment, we're told that to be healthy, we need to look healthy by fitting into the current cultural ideal, which is to have a very low body fat, large backside and large breasts with the tiniest waist that you have ever seen, which is very, very difficult to attain, if not impossible for a lot of us. To be healthy, we also need to have this perfect adherence to a diet that might be called clean or another kind of popular dietary pattern. We need to participate in workouts that are on trend, hit, boot camps. Those kinds of things are very popular right now. And once we attain all of this, then we're told that we're healthy. But this isn't health. As Nikki explained, health is actually defined by the World Health Organization as being about complete physical, mental and social well-being, not just about the absence of disease. It's especially not about the type of physical activity you can do. It's a contentious definition, Nikki says, of the WHO definition, and scholars and scientists are continually arguing over it. But it is one we should keep in mind when thinking about women's health, particularly as we push to further advance from the idea of women's health being bikini body health 
about looking good, about meeting a certain expectation of what it means to look good. I really love this definition because I think it encompasses all of the facets in our life that we want to optimise. And it's not just saying we want to avoid being sick. Um, Of course, this has really been in the spotlight in the last two years with COVID. But I don't think it does encapsulate everything because health can look very different to different people. And certainly in my career as a doctor, I have seen what health means to other people. Health for some people means having a scan come back after you've been treated for lung cancer that shows that there's nothing there to be concerned about. Health is my patient surviving surgery and being able to walk around afterwards with their kids when they were facing something that could have very well killed them. Health can look very different for different people. What is definitely absent in every definition and academic discussion around health is that It is nothing to do with aesthetics. It is nothing to do with pressure to adhere to a certain routine um, in an unforgivable fashion. It is not healthism, a moral obligation or a moral failing if you fail to attain health. Sadly, even in COVID lockdowns where the entire end goal really has been about health, the aesthetics thing as an indicator of health keeps coming up. To some extent, it's gotten a little easier. There has been plenty of commentary and photographs around women reclaiming things like their natural hair colour in and out of lockdown, as well as their natural hairstyles as they return to work. But as Nikki points out, there's also been a push around unrealistic weight loss and fitness goals. The talk of losing the COVID-15, there's a 75 challenge that has grown in popularity, pushing people to do two 45-minute workouts a day for 75 days in a row. The actual problem with this rhetoric, apart from the fact that it kind of annoys us and makes us feel bad, is that it's very likely to increase anxiety in some people and could contribute to poor body image, which in itself is a hindrance to physical and mental well-being. It fails to take into account the very complex biopsychosocial environment that health is created in. Who you are, where you live, do you work, how much money do you make, what is your cultural, uh, racial background. A focus on aesthetic goals may also lead to a lack of motivation to actually pursue some of these important lifestyle changes and it doesn't actually show people what they need to do in order to be healthy. So if you look at Instagram, you need to be perfect to be healthy. But what do we actually want people to do in order to be healthy? Well, it's not sexy. It's not very Instagrammable. Uh, It's really boring. It is following the dietary guidelines for Australians in terms of nutrition. Uh, And adherence to these guidelines has been shown to decrease mortality. It's getting physical activity, 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity physical activity. It's getting sleep. Now, these numbers will vary a little, but normally we would say somewhere around six to eight hours of good quality sleep per night and sleep is something that also has suffered during the pandemic. Alcohol use, adhering to alcohol guidelines that are relevant for you, including having no more than uh, having at least two alcohol, sorry, two alcohol-free days per week. Avoidance of use of substances like cigarettes or illicit drugs. Social connection is a really important part of our health and well-being. Having our regular health checks, things that have really suffered during the pandemic, mammograms, blood pressure, cervical screening, skin checks, and of course, I can't let this go, but also being vaccinated. So how fit is enough? Is it about doing 7,500 steps a day? Is it 10,000 steps? Is it 20,000 steps? Is it body weight or size? Is it about consistency? Is it about healthy ageing? Not only living longer, but living a better life later on in life. There is one study in Australia that can provide some excellent answers. That is the Women's Healthy Ageing Project following hundreds of women 
for more than 30 years to get answers about how, among other things, they are aging in a healthy way. When I spoke to Professor Cassandra Serkey about this, who is now the lead researcher on the project, she shared the big secret about physical activity. Do something. Whatever it is and whatever point you are in your life, just do something every day. Well, I think it's true that there's just so much information out there that it's impossible for people to know what to do. So, you know, there's 30 minutes three times a week um, recommended. Then you see a study that showed 60-second bursts of activity were just as good as 30 minutes three times a week. You know, and so people are forever hearing new advice and new advice confuses them. I think what we have to remember, and this is why this study was so important, in that we very rarely look more than 12 months, three months, 12-week programs. Mm. A lot of those activity programs for intense exercise, they only look at people at the 12th week. Mm. Then they might check them three years and five years later. But if you look at the compliance with that intense activity, it's dropped right off. Mm. Whereas what we looked at was, and we know intense activity does great things for reducing cholesterol in blood, reducing sugar in blood. So we actually, as researchers, we expected that there would be um, more benefits with intense activity. But when we look over 30 years, golly gosh, it's people who did something each and every day. Mm. Some activity each and every day. You know, you make a good point about bikini. So when we say to women, oh, you should do some exercise and drop your BMI, there is a focus on the way you look. In fact, the way you look (laughs) in terms of bikini body is not relevant. The way you look and your BMI, it's it's actually not so important as your cholesterol, your hypertension, things that go along with BMI. And sometimes when you diet and do things that you might do for your body image, you can cause a pro-inflammatory state and inflammation is very bad for chronic diseases of aging, like mm. diabetes, dementia, heart disease. Inflammation is bad for all of those. It's bad for osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. In this conversation, I don't want to discount the role of intense physical activity in women's lives, particularly in using it as a source for other aspects of their health, for well-being, for satisfaction, for friendship and connection and for feeling good. I've seen so many healthy relationships with exercises and routines on strength training, on ocean swimming, on surfing, on trail running. If you look through Dr. Nikki Stamp's Instagram feed for one, you will not only see the excellent information she shares about heart health, you'll also see the positive information she shares on her personal journey and strength training and the goals and friendships she has achieved alongside that. I've also seen the power in pursuing a passion that's physical in nature, the discipline, the health benefits, the friendships and pure satisfaction that can come where it provides an outlet from all the loads a woman may carry. That's why I wanted to share a few comments towards the end of this conversation. That's why I wanted to share part of a conversation I recently shared with Mel Thomas, the founder of Keop. Mel is a national martial arts champion, taking one such title after having kids. She's now supporting thousands of girls and women in studying and pursuing the moves she came to love in her early 20s. Mel is also a survivor of family violence as well as sexual assault as a teenager when she was suddenly and violently attacked by a group of men on a bucks night. Now Mel is using martial arts for a purpose and she is supporting thousands of people all over the country in also finding that purpose. She sees how it builds empowerment, particularly in women and girls. And what she finds are that women who collectively see the power in the movement, not to look good, but to actually feel good instead. 
Well, I feel like for me and all the women that I know in their 40s, like we sort of, we did exercise the sport when we were kids. Then it was like this necessary evil to try and keep up with like a modern standard of beauty. And, and it was never about my empowerment or my fitness until I started doing martial arts. And martial arts is different because so like you go to the gym and you put on your best outfit and you, you know, you sort of sweat or not sweat or whatever it is that you're doing there. Um, to bust it out like in martial arts if you don't do the work you don't progress non-progression results in not being able to work with your partner physical contact so if I haven't been paying attention and and doing listening to the instruction and doing the work I could get hurt I could get hit in the face or kicked in the leg or whatever when I go to the gym I find myself counting one it's exhausting whereas if I'm just trying to do 10 kicks and improve myself and feel stronger and have that satisfaction of watching my body perform a technique that's outside of what I'm doing in the gym. You know, I learn that kick and I learn how strong I can do it and I can land it on the bag and I think somebody tried to hurt me, that's what they're going to get back. Mm. And um, you only get that strength from continually going along. And I feel like, for me and all the women that I work with you know, in their 30s and 40s, like this real mindset shift, you're working out the strength mm. more so than appearance. As for younger women and girls, what can we do? How can we support the teenagers in our lives who are facing their own pressures around fitness, body shape and other areas? Psychologist Madeleine Oldhouse says that removing or burning social media isn't necessarily an option especially as social media can provide connection to kids. There are some benefits to it. Her advice, help girls, young women and young people in general to find a balanced view. My advice for parents would be that you are their lighthouse and this can also function for partners and friends of young adults. It doesn't always have to be parents, but you are their lighthouse in terms of bringing a more balanced view as much as that can be really tricky, but keeping an eye out for particularly rigid or really stuck behaviours that go to an extreme. Um, We think fitness and health is fantastic, but if that's kind of interfering with your other educational goals or your other social goals um, or your physical health is is the most important thing. So being kind of really mindful and on the lookout, and anyone can do this for another person, for those extremities and finding, you know, a compassionate and validating way to kind of reflect those back to somebody by saying, hey, you know, I've really noticed that I've noticed you doing this really often or I notice that you get really upset if you're unable to work out twice a day or whatever it might be or I notice that you're really watching what you eat. Do you want to tell me a bit more about that and kind of bring it back from a confrontational space to a kind of observational space with some curiosity and care in there where you're taking someone who might be in a pretty rigid binary space about what they need to be looking like or what their body needs to be doing at any given point in time and actually trying to bring some flexibility in there. I think that that would be my advice for parents and anyone who's supporting someone who's heavily into kind of social media or is worried. We have discussed a lot in today's episode. If you or someone you know has mental health concerns, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224 636. If you or someone you know is experiencing family violence, you can contact 1800 RESPECT. That's 1800 737 732. The Women's Health Project is produced by Agenda Media, publisher of Women's Agenda. This project is editorially independent but made possible thanks to the support of Organon, the recently launched pharmaceutical company dedicated to a better and healthier every day for every woman. 
Thank you for all the guests for joining us today. Thank you to our producer, Alison Ho, for putting the show together. If you did like the show, you can help us out by leaving a review, which will help others to find the show as well as all the other episodes we've been running as part of this project. Thank you for listening. <laughs>